Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It's two parts and they're both starring me. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, So the first part of this episode is an interview that I did with my dear friend, Rebecca Cross. She's a business success and motivational strategist from the UK and she is absolutely amazing. I can't even begin to tell you. She actually had me on her podcast a few weeks ago. I'll put the link in the description. Her podcast is called Stepping Into Greatness. And I had so much fun. And afterwards, we were chatting and I was asking her how she liked the podcast experience. And she was like, you need to get one. And so I was like, really? She's like, yeah. She's like, you need to start. And so I did. And now we're here. And she's my fourth guest. Um, I had absolutely so much fun. I actually learned a lot about her in this episode, which was kind of cool. I never knew her backstory. I just knew that she was a serial entrepreneur from the UK and she has helped me a lot in my business as well. And so I wanted to chat with her a bit more and we did. And the second part of this episode, which is also starring me, just kidding, I'm not as narcissistic as I come on to be, but I did a Q&A. So I posted on my Instagram at livingbreely about questions. I was like, what questions do you guys have for me? What can I answer for you? Is it about stress? Is it about anxiety? Is it about business stuff? Because I kind of get a bit of both and I get a lot about mindset as well, which is like a majority of my business. So I did one of those questionnaire things on the Instagram story. I don't know. I felt kind of weird doing them because I just like felt weird doing it, but I did it. And so we went through the questions. I randomly selected five and I answered them. I actually had my dad ask me your questions. And so it was really fun. I haven't really talked about my dad, but he is a huge part behind this and helping me figure out the logistics of running a business because it is not um, intuitive to me. Like I just want to do the fun stuff and I want to do projects, but This has also demanded a very different side of me, and so I'm really grateful to have him around so he can help me with these types of things and also be on my podcast, which I secretly, I actually think he did not like it, (laughs) but he was a champ. I had to bribe him with tacos, which he mentions, 
Um, but yeah, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I want to do another Q&A because I actually had a lot of fun answering the questions. It was a very introspective activity for me to do. Um, so if you have any questions, you can find me on Instagram, slide in my DMs, or you can send me a question to info at livingbreely.com. All right. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I am doing well here. So I know I'm in California. So where are you from? So I am in the United Kingdom and I live in a place called Salisbury, which is, if anyone knows the um, uh, wonders of the world and all that kind of stuff, by Stonehenge, which is supposed to be quite well known here in the United Kingdom. So I live not far from there. Oh, very! I didn't even know that. That's really oh. cool. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, hey, um, you know, by originate, <laughs> that's the south of England, the south of the United Kingdom. So it's like an hour away from London. So, um, but I actually originate from the, from the north of England. So I'm, I'm what we call northerners here. I'm a northerner. Too familiar with the UK. I actually just found out that I'm, my grandmother on my mom's side is like 51% British. <laughs> wow. And wow. we've been saying that we were Irish, so. <laughs> Do you know where she's from then? In, um, in well, it didn't break it down specifically. It just said, like, the United Kingdom and Wales and, like, Scotland and Irish, I believe, was, like, the general region. But I'm like, now, Grandma, we have to go to the UK because that's where you're from. <laughs> so, but it was really oh. cool. And the Ancestry DNA, it even showed us, like, from where she was in the UK and then, like, when they came to the U.S., like where she settled, like where the settlement. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, well, do you was... know what? Can you remember what that was? Um, it was uh, we. I think they settled in Virginia, and then they actually moved west, but into the Kentucky. There's like some Kentucky River or something, and my oh, grandmother's wow. actually. My mom and my grandmother were born and raised for the most part in Kentucky. Um, so yeah, I have like a very weird jumbled background. Like people are like, what? You're from like the South? Like you don't have an accent. <laughs> it's so fascinating though, isn't it? It's so fascinating when you realize you're not from where you are. Yes. You know, yeah, you like I, I identify like, oh, I'm from San Diego, California. But I'm like, there's like such a, now that I've gotten older, I have such an appreciation for my history and like where my family has come from. So yeah. it's really so interesting and I love like talking to people all around the world. So. Oh, I love it. Apparently I originate from the Vikings. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, That's apparently, amazing. apparently my dad said, but I mean, I don't know how true that is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. We never know if dads are like joking with us. Or... Yeah. I'm like, really? Oh. So you have, you are kind of like a serial entrepreneur. You have multiple things that you do. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, of course. Thank you. Um, I've been an entrepreneur, yes, for 10 years now. Um, in fact, this is my 10th year anniversary. Um, and I've started businesses and I've sold businesses and businesses haven't gone so great, you know, um, and some businesses have gone fantastic. So I've learned over the last decade a lot about business. So um, I have currently three companies two of which are in property um, and I concentrate on certain strategies over here in the United Kingdom in those two properties and then I have a business um, mentoring and coaching business 
where half of the business is where I mentor um, mainly virtual assistants. Um, and, I, and the reason for that is I used to have a virtual assistant business and I, I earned a lot of money from that. And then when I went into mentoring, um, I was able to mentor them uh, because I know the industry well and, and how to make money from that. And then I also have my coaching business where I am a business success motivational strategist where I am crazy passionate about getting aspiring female entrepreneurs earning six figures. So um, within that, I do mindset and motivation. So I'm something which over here in the UK, people may be aware of, but maybe not over in the States is a motivational map practitioner. So that's a tool I use to identify your drivers and figure out the best way for you to build your business and make as much money as possible. And I'm an NLP practitioner, um, about to qualify as my master practitioner uh, qualification shortly. So yes, I do a bit of everything. I love it. I, I just help people build their businesses and make lots of money. <laughs> that sounds like quite, <laughs> quite a bit. So what came first for you as far as starting your own business? So what was like the first thing that you, that really got you into entrepreneurship? Well, I had a bit of a colorful upbringing. Um, so, you know, I've been, I've come from, back, I come from a broken family. I don't have, um, I come from a family with alcoholism, drug addiction, I've been in foster care, so um, relatives going to prison, you know, it's not been a straightforward childhood. And when I was 14, I had a reading age of seven and I realized that actually Rebecca may not be as bright as they would have hoped her to be. And I was seen to be a bit thick and a bit, oh, you know what, she's just not getting it. And when we realized we did some tests and things. Um, they realized I was dyslexic, but I went to 15 primary schools, which is like the first, the first level of, of, of school in here in the UK. Mm -hmm. And so 15 primary schools from the age of four to 11 is quite a lot when you're, um, so I missed a lot of my basic education. So they realized when I was 14, that I had a region age of seven and I had a lot of catching up to do. And it was kind of, I didn't want history to repeat. I didn't want to struggle with money. I didn't want to worry about the bailiffs knocking on the door. I didn't want to worry about prison sentence. I didn't want to worry about one day getting married and having children and, and they're going to be taken off me and going on to foster care. I, I just didn't want what I'd gone through and what my sister had gone through. I wanted, um, I wanted it like, even at 14, I thought, this is it. I've got to change this. Okay, they're telling me I'm sick. They're telling me I've got a reading age of seven. So what do I want to do? Do I want to change my life or do I want to just carry on and let history repeat? Um, so I decided the school I was at, the second school I was at at the time helped me. Um, we dropped things like languages. We dropped things like science so I could focus on the basics of English and maths. And we had a strategy around my education to get my GCSEs, which was the next level of education over here at that point. Um, and I worked my ass off. I mean, I really worked my ass off. I got to university. I got a high degree. I would not give up. I got a job at the IBM um, through graduation. I got a job at the Wall Street Journal. I got married. Um, and then when I was 27, um, I'd been with my husband for 13 and a half years. We met when I was 15. Oh, wow. um, I was just coming up yeah it was amazing I couldn't believe it we were still together and when I fell pregnant with my daughter Emily ironically 10 years ago she was born early 2008 March 
um, my husband had an affair with someone and left me when I was seven months pregnant. Well, actually, he left me when she was two weeks old, but the affair started roughly when I was seven months pregnant. And I did not know how to pay an electricity bill, never mind get ready to have a baby and change a nappy. And because my husband at the time dealt with everything, and though I had this, that 14 year old had disappeared, that, that, because my husband at the time had been together for so long, he came from a family that, you know, wasn't poor. We, we had a nice house. I was very lucky. I, I thought, oh my God, I've really changed my life. I, I've got this great house. I've got, I'm married. We've got a car. We've got a great, you know, not a great high mortgage. And, oh my God, everything's great. We were going to New York, around South America. We were having holidays. And so that, I lost my independence a little bit. I lost, I've been looked after and I, I think I craved to be looked after all my life at mm -hmm. some point my husband gave me that so I kind of I felt great so when he actually left me for another woman and I didn't know I lost that independence that I'd kept building from 14 let's say to 21 I thought oh my god shit what am I going to do I'm like I had that 14 year old me had to come back that that 14 year old kick-ass girl had to come back and Emily was born and I just decided there and then I was going to be a millionaire. I was not going to let history repeat. I didn't believe in divorce. I, I fought for a year. I didn't tell anybody that my husband had left me. He told me not to tell anyone. I wouldn't. So for a whole year, I was pretending I was married, happily married, getting up, you know, putting a, a smile on my face. Um, but I started a business at the same time when Emily was um, about six months old. I started a business and I invested off a credit card and I'd invested into a online I got myself a website and I did a kitchenware business and it was all right it was it didn't make me loads of money it made me a little bit of pocket money but it was one of those learnings in business that I thought oh god I really don't know what the hell I'm doing yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I really didn't um and it's anyways time went on by the time Emily was one I still had the website business but I started a magazine business that went well and I just kept investing and building and building and I've done that and I've, I've, I've sold business a business and I've, and I've now, you know, built three other companies since Emily's been four and she's now 10 for so the last six years. And so really to put a long story short there, I'd, it was really a bit of another big hurdle I had to jump in my life that made me think, I, I really believe the universe was saying to me, you are meant not to have this life. And although it's not maybe ideal that I sh you know my my marriage broke down um it, it's amazing what I've really turned around since Emily's been born and I and you know and I thank Emily every day if it wasn't for her I don't think I would have taken that first step in entrepreneurship you know if we hadn't had a child and the marriage broke down I may have just crumbled gone back to the Wall Street Journal and life might have been different but I that 14 year old me kicked in and it was like no it's not gonna happen she's gonna have everything I'm gonna provide for her and we're gonna I'm gonna make Emily realize as well I'm gonna set an example that if you want something in life you go and get it and um and you don't let anything stop you so that's how it all started wow that is that is an incredible backstory that I didn't even know because I don't think that we've ever really talked about I know you interviewed me for your podcast stepping into greatness yeah <laughs> now I feel like I'm like totally taken aback because <laughs> that is oh. such an incredible story you should write a book 
Well, actually, Brie, I am. Okay. <laughs> I am. I'm starting it. It's been a hell of a journey because it brings up so many things. But um, it's, a, it's great therapy, writing a book. You've got to do it. You really must. Yeah, that's, that is such an incredible story. And I think your daughter is going to be so proud of you when she can really, you know, she's only 10 now, but when she can really articulate like all of the things that you've had to go through in order to set a good example for her and really provide a different type of lifestyle than what you, than what you had growing up. Yeah. So that is just, that is so incredible. Um, now I feel like I don't even know what question to ask you. Um, well, I tell you, I, that's one reason, I, sorry, I didn't need to put you off. No, no, then. no, go ahead. Um, that's one reason why I, I did step up, um, step up, set up, stepping into greatness because, um, I do come across so many aspiring female entrepreneurs, so many, and there's always something they feel stuck or they feel, I just, I can't do it. I, you know, this is the life I'm meant to have, or I can't afford to do this, or I don't do it. And I just think I, de- I, I come from, I literally can tick probably everything off my list apart from murder. And, you know, that's probably it. And we, everything else I could probably put half a tick or a tick by. And I just think you can seriously do anything. And when I look, in fact, my husband and I were talking about this over the weekend, last weekend, we were, I was so grateful for my whole weekend. I just had this most, nothing special happened. I was cleaning the bathroom, taking the kids up to the park. Nothing, nothing spectacular happened, but it's kind of sometimes you have those moments and I try and have them as much as possible. And you sit back and you think, you know what, look what I've achieved. And I haven't done that by taking, you know, I've done it by borrowing money from my credit card or I've done it by making the money and I've, I've taken risks and I've made it happen for me to to create the fortune I've got now. And and it's it's just to say you can do anything. You, you really can. I really believe you're destined for for so many great things. It's just being open to it and going for it. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think all really successful entrepreneurs all have something that has something like very, I don't want to say dramatic, but something that really brings them to their knees in a sense of humility. Um, and they're, when you're able to transform or transform or transcend that pain and suffering and grow from that place and teach from that place, you're, you're, you're really catching on to something there. Yeah. Absolutely. I completely That's agree. amazing. So how would you, you were talking about how you do mindset coaching or I love that you say strategist and that was, you actually helped me come up with my, with my title as well. I um, did. Yeah. It's a good one. If I say so myself. <laughs> it really is. And so how would you define a mindset? So I work slightly, so I'm, I'm, um, a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, NLP. So um, I love NLP. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I think it makes us look at things in a different way. But I am a strong believer as well that when you want to definitely go into entrepreneurship, you have to have a business strategy, but you need to know where your vision is, where your journey is. So I'm a great believer when I work with my clients that I want to find out exactly where that vision is for my to my clients where they're going but more importantly what mindset they've got because if they haven't got that I can do attitude and they're not focusing and, and accept that there will be 
there will be hurdles you know what there will be times you'll be like what the hell am I doing maybe I should just get a job and it's when you've got that strength to stop yourself and say look you've just got to trust the process as long as you've got a strategy and you're taking the action that mindset will work and you can have a learned behavior on how to correct that mindset to get that to a I can do attitude and also to focus all the time on what you want and not what you don't want and um, so um, I'm a great believer on working with motivation and mindset together so um, the reason I'm a, motiv- a, a business success and motivational strategist is that I work a lot on business strategies so when people work with me they make money I, they can't not not make money with me because I make sure that we are a good fit and I believe that we will do it um, and the second thing is is when I understand what motivates someone to get out of bed, what gives them that fire in that belly, what makes them feel like I, I love going and doing what I'm doing. I then really link that to the mindset. So we're doing more of that. So we know that that mindset shifts to focusing on what they want. And now what they want is doing what satisfies them. And that's what's connected to the motivations that you have. So I work a lot with that. And once I've, I, you've knacked that, Ah, oh, you will show oyster. Honestly, it's crazy. I, I love it. It's <laughs> big transformation, and I'm like, yay! You're making the money and you're building the business. I love it. Yes, um, I love so, that. I love that answer. Oh, thanks. Slip on the tongue. Slip the tongue. <laughs> so, how did you become familiar with mindset and just in general? Was it something? I know you talked about um, how you're an NLP protector practitioner I cannot speak today an NLP practitioner or was there something else that happened no it was actually um I think deep down I've I've never played the victim ever I've never played the victim um I got in a situation once where it was not great it, it nearly became a sexual assault it didn't happen but I never played the victim what I did was I turned around and said, you've just messed with the wrong person. And I made sure that person would never do that to anyone else again. So I've never, ever played a victim when I've been in foster care. I don't go, oh God, I've been in foster care. No, I've been in foster care. It's fact. That's the way it was. And and that's how I was brought up. So my mindset's always been a little bit like dealing with things, but finding a way of seeing an opportunity out of it. And I thank whoever, if you believe in God or the universe, whatever that is, I I really thank whatever that gift is I have. I've got a lot of energy and I've got, I've always had that, that mindset. But when I had my own um, virtual PA business, one of my clients was a coach and I just got so hooked. And she was the one who got me trained in motivational maths. Um, and we, I, I did it to be fair, to get to know her clients better, to help serve her better when I had mm. the virtual PA business. But I just got hooked on it. I loved it. Um, she told me about NLP. I started doing NLP. And then I said to her about 12 months ago, um, because that's when I, I decided to really go, change my business, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to coach. And she went, do it. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, and, I, and, I'm, and I've done it. And I love it. And I'm... And I've got my education in the last 12 months with that, with the NLP, and, and that's why I'm going to the next level. And with my motivational maps, there's another level for that, and I'm doing that in October. So I'm continually doing my coaching qualifications and continually doing my mindset and motivational education. So it's, it's ongoing for me because I want to make, I want to learn as much as I can and make the mistakes I can so my clients don't have to. So 
they obviously can have learned the knowledge, of course they can, but I, don't, I want to make sure that if I've done something wrong in a process with a business strategy, I'd rather make the mistake myself before I, because I believe as a leader, as a business leader, you have to go out there and dip your toe right in the pool and make sure that you are trying to create and develop strategies and empires so that when you are teaching it to others, you really do know what you're talking about because those that work with you, you want to make sure that they achieve the success they want. And that's what I'm about. So that's why I love being a risk taker because I don't just do it for me. I do it because I want to get it right. So when I'm working with a client, I, I am not cocky. I'm like, I am a hundred percent certain that if they do what I say and work with me, they, they get the dream. And um, and that, and the mindset just came in really accidentally, accidentally when I was, had my virtual PA business um, which then I transitioned into, and when that's a reason why I mentor VAs, um, because I know the business well. So yeah, it was like it was again like an opportunity had come, and I thought I'm going to take this. This means I need to change direction and change my business, and that's what I did. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that you were saying you kind of walk it like you talk it, like you <laughs> have to live it in order to yeah, be able to definitely. teach it. And yeah, I think that's a really big. I want to say discrepancy that I see, especially on Facebook and on an online community is a lot of coaches come from like, I'm a coach. I'm like, this is their first business. <laughs> their business yeah, is yeah. coaching other businesses. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I can understand if they've had previous like work experience in certain specific niches, how that might be helpful. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really appreciate that about you and like your willingness to continue to learn business practices so that you can better serve not only yourself and your business, but also your clients because that's a missed art. And I always think of that, like every book that I pick up or every course or webinar (laughs) that I take, I'm like, okay, this is not only helping me, but it's also going to help the people that I help. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And it's the same with, it's even the same when you work with a coach, you know, like I've had a coach and my first coach I got when Emily was about 18 months old, again, I really invested. I thought, oh my God, I can't afford this. But I knew that this coach could get me to the next level. So I knew I'd get my return on investment. And that did happen. Mm-hmm. But I outgrew that coach. So I've always had, you know, different coaches through the last, you know, as I say, she was about a year, year and a half, so eight and a half years. And and so I think it's important. Even now, I have a coach, but she's she's at a higher level than me. She charges a lot more for her programs than I do for mine. But the fact is, I I can't stop learning. So I still believe to be successful, even at the level I'm at now, there's still more I need to learn. There's still more strategy I need to get to. So I invest in a coach. So if I expect someone to invest in me, I want them to know they've got access to a to a higher knowledge, to a higher skill set, which is what I'm learning. And that's another, that's another key, you know, that's a really important key that I love to get across to people. Mm, Yes, absolutely. So Rebecca, tell everyone where they can find you. I'm also going to include them in the description, but I want them to hear it from you. (laughs) So you can get me on Instagram, which is, um, you know, Instagram, Rebecca and Cross. Um, which is Rebecca A double N cross, um, you know, like the unhappy, but I'm not always all <laughs> um, the crucifix, whichever way you just come to things I say cross, so it's like cross C R O double S. Um, and then you can get me in my community, which I would love it if there were some real aspiring female entrepreneurs out there who want to know about free support, 
free training. I do master classes. I'm live on there every day. Um, I'm crazy energy. If you want to have a laugh, then please join me. It's um, stepping into greatness for aspiring female entrepreneurs. And I have also, and I'm hope to God when you go on there, it's all right, because I'm just literally about to finish the website. <laughs> I have, um, I know it's live and I, I realized there was one page that was not finished. So even me who's had 10 years experience in business, I still make mistakes when you're trying to get a website online. Um, it's Rebecca Cross LTD, so RebeccaCrossLimited.com. So, you know, please, you know, do find me. And I've also got a masterclass. Uh, which is free, in my group next Thursday, which is the five shifts of calling in your six figures by using the power of language and NLP. So I'd love it if anybody wants to join me for that. Awesome. So good. I thank you so much for being my guest today. I really oh, appreciate it. I feel like that was so inspiring to hear your story and just your entire process. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much, Brie, for having me. It's been amazing. You're welcome. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Rebecca. I can't tell you how much I love her. She just has so much great energy about her. She reminds me of one of my favorite school teachers um, when I was in middle school and high school with just this like passion for life. As like cliche as that sounds, there's just so much energy behind everything that they do and they're just always so excited. They're like that dog, that puppy, like when you first walk in the door, that's like so excited and does like circles around and is so happy to see you. That's how I feel about Rebecca. She's just always so happy to hear from me, loves to help anyways that she can. And she, like I was saying, she was like, you need to have a podcast. Do it, do it, do it. And so I did it. Was it peer pressure? I don't think so because I was already kind of like thinking about it, but I just like was quote waiting for a sign from the universe um and now here we are four episodes in so I will include all of Rebecca's links in the episode description including the stepping into greatness podcast episode where she interviews me and yeah we'll move on to the next portion of the episode which is where my dad asks me your questions. I'm kind of laughing throughout the entire episode because my dad does this voice. It's his real voice, but it's not like he doesn't speak in that tone 24 seven. So it just was making me laugh because I was like, why are you talking like this? Just be yourself. Um, so yeah, it was a bit 
comical for me. So I had to like edit and chop up some some parts um, to make it cohesive. So it wasn't just me laughing for 20 minutes straight. But I really, really enjoyed doing this Q&A section. The reason why I invited him to do it was because I felt weird if I was just talking by myself for 20 minutes. Um, I always think that it's like interesting, at least from when I listen to podcasts, to have another person to kind of run, to kind of like have some dynamic and some conversation, even though apparently my dad was a bit um, not so into it. I had to bribe him with tacos, which we talk about. He didn't do this for free. I had so much fun recording this. So if you have more questions, please send them to info at livingbreely.com or you can slide in my DMs on Instagram at livingbreely. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, everyone. So today I actually have my dad reading some of the questions that you guys sent in. Um, I haven't really talked too much about my dad, but he has actually been in the IT tech industry for what, 35 years? Longer? Uh, Since probably 85, 1985. I don't know 84. how long that is. That's a long time. Um, yeah. So <laughs> my dad is that kind of more behind the scenes type of guy when it comes to helping me with um, my business stuff. So he does help me quite a bit. Um, yes, I'm the shy one in the family. Oh, God. <laughs> no, he's actually not. <laughs> Get started. I have the, you sent me the questions. I did. So I have uh, so I have the questions here. Okay. Whenever you so want to start. Oh, by the way, by the way, for you folks out there, she had to bribe me. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I forgot. She, she had to bribe me to do this. Um, no, he's not doing it for free. I had to bribe him with tacos. Yes. To do yes. this for me, I asked him, and he said no. Which one of the things? Let me just say this really quick. So one of the things that I absolutely love about my dad and I appreciate so much as an adult and especially as a woman is my dad taught me from a very young age how to negotiate. <laughs> so from a, like from the time I was little, like if I wanted something, it wasn't like, can I have this? It was like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Like I'd have to clean my, I'd say like, I'll clean my room. I'll do my homework. If you'll get me the new Gwen Stefani CD. Um, even when I got a cell phone, like I had to negotiate all of that. So when it came time to do this, he was like, no, but of course I never take no for an answer. <laughs> so like, I'm very persistent <laughs> when it comes to these things. Well, when Brianna was in her teenage years, um, I was an she necessarily, yeah, she necessarily didn't like to argue. She always stayed her case. So I was hoping that, uh, she would become a, a prosecutor or a defense attorney. <laughs> Because she'd always plead her case. Um, she'd always have a different side to the story. And as judge and jury, I would always overrule her. <laughs> yeah. But that was in the past. So, um, <laughs> yeah, my lawyer dreams are, are pretty shot now. I don't think yeah, I'm a good yeah. lawyer. All right. Okay. So, why don't we jump in? Why don't you tell me the first question? Well, first of all, I'd like, you know, two crunchy beef tacos oh with God. rice and beans. But anyway, um, let's start off here. <clears throat> we just ate. We just ate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, 
Um, the first question is from Chelsea. And she asks, why does stress and anxiety affect some people easier than others? Will I ever get back to a place where my anxiety isn't triggered so easily? This is a tough one to answer because I don't know if it's fair to say that some people are affected easier than others to anxiety. Um, and just a quick disclaimer. I love this question, but I'm not a doctor or a mental health professional or have any background in anxiety research. So if you're listening, please don't misconstrue this as actual medical advice. Um, I've only done minimal research on anxiety as far as statistics and genetics and all those other things. A majority of the research that I have done has been about how to overcome anxiety and how to live with it. So let me just say from the get-go, I think that the greater lesson in this question is trying to it's instead of trying to figure out why some people have anxiety is that it's no one's fault that they have anxiety. So no one chooses to have anxiety. There are ways to manage it and work through it whether you choose to go on medication or go to cognitive behavioral therapy or change your diet or change your lifestyle or go to some ashram and do, I don't know, some, like you want to become a witch doctor, whatever is floats your boat, you do you. But there are ways, like I said, to manage it and work through it. And I think that that should be the bigger takeaway because when you use the, the word easier, like why can Sally Joe do the same job that I'm doing, but I feel so much stress and so much anxiety. And so you almost point the finger inward, like, oh, it must be my fault that I'm stressed and that I'm anxious. And the reality is, is that it's not. It's just your brain has a little bit of a glitch and it's called anxiety. Um, and a lot of anxiety is caused by I shouldn't say cause, but there's several things. So first of all, genetics play a factor in it. If you have a parent who has anxiety, there was a study done uh, by the Department of Psychological Sciences at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland that discovered that if your parents have anxiety, you are about 30 and 40% more likely to be predisposed to that. And again, it's no one's fault. Like your parents did the best that they could. Um... I think genetics plays a part in it. I think our physical health and environmental health plays a huge role in it. Um, not in all cases, but in some. Um, our bodies are being exposed to so many chemicals, so many hormones and toxins from the food that we eat and pollution and the things that we're putting on our face. I'm As a woman, I'm putting like nine different serums on my face throughout the day. So like I have slowly transitioned to using more natural um, derived lotions and potions, creams and dreams. So, you know, those things get absorbed into our skin. Our epidermis is the largest organ in our body. And it's kind of silly to not think that our physical and mental health are definitely tied together. I could go on and on about studies that show this 
correlation between our diet and between, you know, physical exercise or just movement in general. Like no one's telling you to go sign up for a CrossFit. Uh, you can t- start small with a f- quick five to 10 minute walk a day or throughout your day while you're sitting at a desk all day. Um, but also everyone has a baseline of anxiety, right? So we've all had some anxiety before we've gone to an interview or a test or a presentation. And that is because we are naturally imprinted to have anxiety from our primal days where we had to basically install a fight or flight response to keep us alive and away from bears and lions and tigers and just danger in general. And I know that according to the ADAA, anxiety and depression affect more than 40 million people in the U.S., and women are twice as likely to have anxiety and depression, which, side note, I would argue this might be a bit of a skewed statistic, only because I think men don't talk about their mental health. They're not as, like, forthcoming about it. They're kind of taught to, like, suck it up and deal with it. So, again, sweeping generalization, just a side note, I think that that statistic will very likely change the next time they do any type of study on it. So, there's a lot of factors that go into why someone might have anxiety. So, it, but again, it's not about them. It's about you and it's not your fault that you have anxiety and no one chooses to have it. Like I said, there are ways to manage it and work through it, but no one asks for it. And comparing yourself to like, oh, well, I it sucks that I have to deal with this. Like everyone has to deal with something, okay? Sally Joe might have to deal with depression or she might have to deal with bipolar disorder. Like you have no idea what someone else is dealing with. So to say that it makes it might affect some people easier. That could definitely be true, but it make it more about yourself and figuring out like why you have anxiety and how you can help yourself. Which brings me to the second part of your question, which is triggers. So the first step about triggers, I think, is to identify what your triggers are. Um, usually we always go with the like superficial, not superficial, but like the first layer, like think of it as like a bean dip, like a really expensive bean dip is we're always like, oh, I'm stressed out about work. It's like, okay, yes, work can be stressful and that might cause you some anxiety, but let's dig a little bit deeper. And as you keep digging and digging and digging, you might realize that it's maybe I'm a people pleaser or I feel inadequate in some way or that I can't cope or that I can't deal. So there's always a much deeper rooted problem than usually what we assume. And from there, I would say once you identify your triggers to begin learning different coping mechanisms that are going to help you deal with that mental spiraling that tends to happen when you have anxiety. That's the spiraling is the only way that I can explain it is you could like cut your finger a paper cut is going to turn into you having to have your finger amputated. Like it can go that fast. And that's like the only way that I can explain it. Um, And even with my own triggers, I've learned that it's best to not avoid them. So like just because you're scared of a paper cut, does that mean that you're never going to touch a piece of paper again? 
No, because trying to avoid your triggers just sends you into isolation. So I've learned that I almost challenge myself to face the fear because it's usually super irrational and just way out there. So like, I'm just using this as an example to make this cohesive. But if you're scared of paper and I was like, I'm never going to touch paper again, I would probably touch paper once a day, like just slowly immersing myself with my fear. It's called immersion therapy. And again, it I'm not a medical doctor, so it's best to talk with a mental health professional who can help you figure out different practices. Immersion therapy can be pretty intense and it isn't right for everyone. So definitely talk to a mental health professional and that can help you with your triggers and work with what's best for your particular circumstance. So yeah, that would be my two cents. So that was a really long answer, um, but I felt like I had to dive into that. Uh, the, ne <laughs> the next question is from Jessica. Um, how do you balance okay. working and life? I feel like I'm constantly going with so much to do. Love this question, Jessica. So let's see here. I definitely struggle with the word balance. And I used to struggle with having a balance in my work and life. And it is still something I sometimes struggle with. And I definitely know that feeling of like constantly being on the go and like being in go mode. And here is what has helped me. And this is where mindset is huge. Is I realized I, it was the word balance. That was really throwing me off because... I think that the way the word balance is marketed towards women just perpetuates this idea of perfectionism and holding it together 24-7. And to back that up, if you go to any mag airport magazine shop and buy like three women's mag magazines, guaranteed you will be find an article within two minutes using the word balance or saying how this celebrity found balance in her life and career. And if you go on Pinterest for 0.25 seconds, you're going to find a pin that is related to balance. And I mean, we could talk, get into like how men are never pushed this word at all. Like you never read an article about a guy finding balance between like his work and his life, but that's like a whole nother podcast. So the word balance has a swinging pendulum of polarity. It's like you're either in balance or not in balance. And I like to focus on work-life integration. So I find ways to incorporate my life activities into my work day. And even if you're not an entrepreneur where you can make your own schedule, it's totally possible to do this with a nine to five. You can do things in the morning before work or after work, whatever it is that you want to do. Grab a drink with a friend, go to a workout class, have friends over for dinner, anything other than grabbing takeaway and binging Netflix when you get home from work until bedtime. It's usually a sweet spot. Um, I think it's also important to prioritize. So I am a huge list maker and I used to write down literally everything I had to do every single day. And when I couldn't get to all 50 things, I would consider it a crap day. So I just started writing down the three biggest things that I had to do every day. And I would always tackle the largest task first. So the rest of the day kind of felt like a smooth breeze. Um, and 
switching my perspective from my worthiness, depending on how productive I am or feeling disappointed in myself if I couldn't get to everything on my to-do list. I think that that was a really big mindset shift that had to happen for me to realize like I'm a human being and I'm not going to like break a sweat trying to do all of these things if they're not truly important to me. So if you do not find working out every single day for two hours important to you, don't do it. If it's beneficial for your health, of course, obviously do it. But I think sometimes, oftentimes as women, we get caught up in doing things that we don't want to fucking do. And so I kind of was like, if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. And if it was like crucial that I did it, I would just get it done first thing in the morning and be done with it. You can say at the end of the day that you did your best and this is what you could do. That's enough. Okay. Uh, Sydney. Uh, asks, yeah, Sydney asks, I've, I've had a hard time with stress. What steps can I take with dealing with stress, especially if I can't get away from the situation right away? Mm. Thank you so much for your question, Sydney. I really love to talk about stress because it is all in the mind, which is kind of crazy to think about, but stress and I don't mean to say this hyperbolically, but literally is it becomes a mindset. It's a choice that we make and then our body reacts to that choice. And I know people get a little bit testy when I talk about this because they're like, well, I didn't ask to get fired. I didn't ask to lose my job. I didn't ask for, you know, all of these projects at work or the the bills or, you know, the family drama or, a medical condition or any of those things. And they're absolutely right. No one really asks for any of those things voluntarily. But what helps with stress is relinquishing that control of the realization that you have a choice in how you respond to the tough shit that comes into our life. Um, it Inevitably, we're all going to have something difficult that we're going to have to overcome. And there is a ton of uncertainty in life. And the more comfortable we become with that uncertainty, the less we respond to things in a frazzled, panicky, stressed out way. And I'm going to shamelessly plug here, but I have a course called Mindfulness You Stress Mastermind. And it's about using the practice of mindfulness to lower stress. So if you're not familiar with mindfulness, that's good. I bring you up to speed. I also talk about good stress versus bad stress. I give you some of my favorite tools for stress, a workbook that you can download onto your computer, print it out, or use it with Adobe. And it's, I think, $11. So definitely check that out. And you can, I'll put the link in the episode notes. But When you can't get away from a situation right now, think about it in this sense. A lot of times we get stressed out when we feel like there's no way out of what we're doing. So if you're stressed out about a project that you have to do at work, you're like, I'm stuck in this office. I have this meeting. I'm not going to have time to take to make this project, to do this project until Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon. I would suggest writing out 
what you can do. Like, what can you do right now? What can you do in an hour? How are you going to complete the project? So really looking at it in a systemic way where you can take whatever your stressor is and break it down into actionable steps. Like Rome was, and that's like such a cliche thing to say, like Rome wasn't built in a day, but it's actually true. So take the time to plan out how you're going to get out of whatever is stressing you out. Or how can you switch your perspective? If it's something that you cannot change, write down how you can shift your perspective. What are the good things that are going to come out of this? What are What is the end result? Um, how can you help someone else who might be in the same situation? What advice would you give them? So really taking a step back is also, if you can't lean into the issue and solve it that way, I would say take a step back and really look at it from a perspective of healing. And that is all has to do with mindset again. So that would be my answer. Ava wants to know, I've been a longtime reader since you started your blog. The amount of growth at your entire blog and business has had and is impressive and inspiring. Who inspires you and how do you have the motivation to keep going and start new projects? <laughs> okay. This isn't how he normally talks, by the way. He's doing this like voice that he does when he's like in the spotlight. It's my professional voice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um I love Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I actually couldn't stand him when I first introduced myself to his work and his videos. And I was like, what is this dude talking about? But he has actually helped me realize so much about myself in terms of work ethic and leveraging my challenges to benefit myself and my business. And he also reminds me to not make excuses for why I can't get things done. So if you haven't heard of Gary Vee or Gary Vaynerchuk, um, definitely go check him out and give him a chance. His personality can be a bit polarizing, but he has loads of just really good tips. Um, I also love Lewis Howes and his podcast, School of Greatness. Lewis just seems like a really well-rounded stand-up dude. He was um, a professional athlete, and then I think he had an injury. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, and then he actually started using LinkedIn and then went on to also do course creation, I believe, and then sold that. And then he started doing um, his podcast, School of Greatness, and he interviews some of the most amazing people. So I definitely love him. And I'm obsessed with Lauren. Oh, I'm going to butcher her last name, Everett's. Um, she runs the blog Skinny Confidential. It's a more health, beauty, fitness, lifestyle focused. Um, but I really look up to her as an entrepreneur and her and her husband, Michael, are literal goals. So definitely check those three people out. Um, they really inspire me and motivate me. But on the topic of motivation, uh, it's a sticky situation with motivation because it's totally unreliable. Like you might notice that people who only work when they're motivated don't get shit done. Like no tea, no shade, just fact. So when I am motivated, I'll write down all of the ideas and things that are coming to me. 
Um, hello, if you haven't seen my journaling on Instagram, I go kind of ham with journaling. So I use a journal every day. And from there, I kind of focus on one or two of those ideas to bring into fruition. And then from there, I extract them into actionable steps that I can incorporate into my daily routine. So it becomes something that I am consistently doing to build on and not just leaving it locked up in a journal somewhere. So here's the last question. It's from, <laughs> it's from Abigail. Okay. And she wants to know how she can get back um, on track to practicing mindfulness. She says, I was doing so good, and then I got sick, which made me bummed, and then I felt off track, and I just don't know how to get back on my path. Start small. I think one of the things that is the most difficult for people who practice mindfulness is that they tend to overcomplicate it. And mindfulness at its core is so simple. It is so simple that we want to make it difficult. And so I always say begin with the smallest task. I always use the tea example, but if you don't drink tea, you could use coffee, LaCroix, kombucha, water, lemon. I don't know. You know I love a good water with lemon. But just take five minutes to drink that cup of tea or whatever your beverage of choice is. And just take those five minutes, engage all of your senses, bring yourself back to the present moment, which is what the core of mindfulness is, and then grow from there. It's okay to get off track. And I think that's maybe the more important answer to that question is to forgive yourself for getting off track because no one is perfect. Anyone who practices mindfulness will tell you that it's very difficult and almost impossible, which I believe it is impossible, to be mindful 24-7-365. So just take a moment to forgive yourself and to start over. It's okay to get sick. What's important is your health and your happiness. So the longer that we beat ourselves up for getting sick, which is something that we have no control over, right? Like we all get sick. It is a human experience. We don't decide to wake up with the flu or with an autoimmune disease or a cold or allergies. Um, so when we show ourselves compassion and stop that resentment towards our bodies, the better we're going to feel and the more natural thing practices like mindfulness will come to us.